Church, would you please stand as I read today's passage? Now, as Joe said earlier, it's a very special day for us. Normally, if, if you're a guest, normally, I just preach verse by verse through books of the Bible, but today's special celebration, and we're not going to do that. But I do want to read a passage that's sort of a backdrop for today's uh, message in today's service. It's found in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, and there we read the word of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. There it is. Have a seat, please. Church, when we get to the end of our lives, we're going to be able to look back. And despite all of the pain and suffering we went through, despite uh, the, the ways that people let us down at times, despite our own mistakes and the way we hurt ourselves at times, despite all of that, we can look back at the end of our days and see that God was faithful to us every step of the way. He has been faithful. Now, that is true for us, not only as individuals, but for us as a people, as a church family. At the end of our time, we get to heaven, we can look back and see that despite all of our mistakes and failures and sins, that God was good, God was gracious, and God was faithful to us. Now, there are times in the life of a church family that it's good before you get to the end, on occasions like this, to pause and look back. Because when you look back and see the faithfulness of God, it builds your faith for the future and the coming years and the coming decades. And so we're going to do that this morning for a few minutes. Now, the video highlights, uh, highlighted about four of the key events that God uh, brought us through and was so good to us about. That first one in 1996 when the outside consultant, uh, when God spoke to us through him and basically said to us that, you know, um, why don't you stop looking to another church for direction and start looking to me? Why, why don't you get my thumbprint for your church? And since that day, we've been doing that, and we're still doing that. We want God's thumbprint for the church. And then some years later, when uh, we were down at a beach uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, and, and, and God grabbed our hearts for prayer and, and, and gave us a vision that uh, uh, the, the New Testament church, prayer was their lifeblood. It was, uh, you know, their desperate dependence. And, and we, we felt this calling to press into prayer more than we'd ever had before. More than long after that, where God grabbed our hearts for the nations. Now, from Genesis to Revelation, we see in the Bible that God's heart has been for all the peoples of the earth, and it needed to be our heart and my heart. And God grabbed our hearts for, the, for all the nations of the world. And then finally, the, the, the video highlighted in 2008, when we first moved into this campus and the global recession hit, how God had uh, used a very difficult situation where we had to learn some lessons. And it uh, wasn't a fun time. And, and, but, but God used that to bring two real good things, that we're going to be a debt-free church, and we're going to start giving. When we get out of debt, we're going to start giving 50% of our regular fund outside the walls of the church. And that's been so good. Now, there have been so many other examples of the faithfulness of God down through the years. For example, I remember in the early 2000s, somewhere in there, that uh, God just grabbed our hearts for unity. That, you know, it's not just about your congregation, it's about the kingdom of God. And it began prioritizing kingdom over congregation. And how there's just one in the city, Christ Church. And, and God grabbed us with that and um, uh, gave us an increasing heart and burden for one church in the city. 
it uh, wasn't long after that, I think, that we had an increasing burden, and, and one of our pastors led us into that for uh, Compassion and Justice Ministries outside the walls of Woods Edge, the homeless, the hungry, uh, folks in prison and jail ministry, uh, folks with human trafficking, uh, refugees and immigrants, uh, foster children, just all over, so many uh, challenges and great needs, and we just began having more and more God's heart for that, and God was shaping us as a church. Uh, one more of those examples uh, involved uh, some years after we moved on this campus, we were paying off our debt at $2 million a year. So we would live on $2 million less than we were bringing in because we had to pay that debt off, and uh, we had to get rid of that interest. And about, about uh, February of 2013, we had paid uh, a lot of it off, but we had about $7 million more, and at that rate, that'd be another three and a half years of paying off our debt. And I remember that February where God grabbed my heart and said, Je Jeff, why don't y'all start praying as a church that this calendar year, you could completely pay off the debt. And, and uh, eight months later, we began doing that, and eight months later, in late October, early November, we completely paid off our debt. And, uh, and it was so fun to, <laughs> yep. To be uh, both debt-free and to start in November of 2013, uh, sending 50% of our income outside the walls. And, and just with affluent churches and the, these affluent neighborhoods, the crying needs of the world, it's just a privilege to be a part of that. But you know, there have been so many other things. There, there have been the church plants, the growing diversity in our congregation. I love the diversity, the racial the ethnic, the socioeconomic diversity that we're seeing more and more, and you're, you've embraced that. It's a picture of heaven one day. Love that. Now, I love yesterday at our festival seeing this group of uh, uh, folks, and I, I could tell that um, by who they were with, Victoria Kipranoff, they were probably from Burma and probably Buddhist, hopefully on their way to Christ. And then there was a, I began seeing these women, covered women, a bunch of them out there, and a whole busload, uh, Gary, Gary and Kelly Sharp brought a whole busload of Iranian refugees to our festival, and, and that's God's heart. So the, the growing diversity. Uh, God's given us part of a kingdom movement in Malawi. Some huge answers to prayer. Innumerable people coming to Christ, having lives transformed. And, and just we could say, you know, throughout the 25 years, God's been so good to us. He's been so faithful to us. You know, the Bible teaches that every single good thing in our lives is a gift from God. Every single thing. And that's true for us as a church. If there's any good thing at Wood's Edge, it is a gift of God. This is how Paul put it so dramatically in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you have not received? Every single gift and good thing is from the Lord. And we're just grateful. Now, church, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for your part in this. Whether or not you've been here just a few weeks or maybe today's your, for your first day or you've been here, you know, as long as I have, uh, thank you for your part. Uh, some of you are brand new. Some of you have been here a long time. Some of you, God has led to other churches and you're back to visit and rejoice with us. Thank you for that. But, but, but you're the church. I mean, it's not this campus. It's not these buildings. It's us. We are the church. Thank you for your part because God uses you. He uses people to advance the kingdom. Let me be more specific. Some things I'm grateful to God for you. I love your hearts for prayer. I see it all over. Your hearts for prayer and worship, especially, that flows out of your love for Jesus.
I love your hearts for authenticity, to be real and not posers. For all the serving you do, both within Wood's Edge and outside Wood's Edge, whether or not it's holding babies or feeding the homeless or helping in our parking ministry, all kind of things. Thank you again, as I just mentioned, your hearts for diversity. Heaven is going to be full of diversity. Uh, the cross unites us all in Christ. It honors God implicitly and explicitly. Thank you for uh, all the things that you've done around here, but more specifically, more personally, let me thank you for one thing especially. Some of you are here in 2011. May of 2011, I had uh, the worst crisis of my life. It was a mental disease crisis. If you've been around Woods Edge, you know I've struggled in my, for decades with a mental disease, obsessive compulsive disorder. In May of 2011, it got so bad, I was not sure I was going to make it. And the next Sunday when I came back from being on vacation, I told you about it because I needed your prayers. I was desperate. And uh, in the following months and the years, it's now been seven years, and I cannot express the difference it has made, the healing God's brought to me. And it's just bigger than I can articulate. You uh, accepted me. You loved me. You, you prayed for me. So how could I thank you enough, church? Thank you. It's, it's meant the world, as Gail could tell you. <clears throat> so uh, I count it just a great privilege to pastor you folks and to just serve as one of the co-laborers here for the gospel. Thank you. You know, looking back over the 25 years, you know, God has been so faithful to us. But I do want to think about the future. You know, God has given us a clear mission or purpose as a statement. And this is it. If you've been around Woods Edge, you know it. But it's love Jesus, it's journey together, and it's bring hope to the world. Now, the loving Jesus part, what that means is Jesus is first and foremost because he's first and foremost in, in our lives, in the world. So we, we focus on our own loving for him. We're never going to get beyond that. Now, when we say loving Jesus, that doesn't mean just having some warm feelings. It means that we obey him, we serve him, we, we live on mission for him, we give to him, we chase after him, we take time alone with him. That means that we surrender our lives to him, we chase after him. We want to love Jesus like he's never been loved before, loving Jesus. Secondly, beside that, we want to journey together, and that involves loving one another, and that's going to include both journeying together as a whole congregation, all of us together serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Uh, being on mission together. But it also means from house to house. Just like in the New Testament, the book of Acts, they met in large group celebration for worship, and they met from house to house where they did life together and cared for one another and discipled and were on mission together in neighborhoods. And so we journey together, both as a large church and we, we journey together in our home churches in neighborhoods. And then finally, we don't simply want to pursue a our own love relationship with the Lord and love one another and forget those outside. Uh, God's called us to a, to a lost world, and so we want to bring hope, whether across the street or around the world, whether good news or good deeds. We want to make disciples, which means helping lost people come to Christ or helping uh, believers grow in Christ. Everything we can do to love people for Christ's sake. So that's our mission, and that's a, a clear uh, that's why we exist. That's what we do daily. Now, in addition to what we do daily, why we exist, what, what we're called to every day, God has given us a picture of the future. 
He has given us a burden for the future, and this is it. We want to see Houston become a city of God for God's glory. Now, now let me be real clear what I'm talking about, what we're talking about when we start talking about that, that Houston could become a city of God. We mean that God would pour out His Spirit upon us and that there would be healings and miracles all over the place, all over the city, us partnering with other churches, that we'd see so many people coming to Christ, and we'd see marriages healed and teenagers transformed and, and divorce rates go down and alcoholism go down and human trafficking go down and abortion rate go down, crime go down, and the whole city be transformed so that people even around the nation be kind of looking around and, and just asking, what's going on in Houston? You know, what's going on there? It's like a city of God or something. Now, what would that be like to experience part of that? To, be, to see God moving and transforming, that would be the most exciting things that we could be a part of. That would just be amazing. I can remember a year or two ago, um, John Bizzagno was the longtime pastor of First Baptist Houston. He invited some pastors to his house to pray together. He had been long retired. And, um, and how just hearing his heart cry for the city that God would bring revival. And I bet he'd been praying for decades. And about a year ago, John Bizzagno went home to be with the Lord. And this morning, God just brought him back to my mind and thought, I wish he could have seen it. And I don't know if we're going to see it or not, but we're going to go for it with all of our hearts. What God has done in other places and other times, he can do here. He can do with us. I mean, it's not the God of the Bible. The God who said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Let's go for it. Why would we shrink back and just assume we're not going to see a great work of God in our day? And so, you know, I think we saw a little rumblings of it 15 months ago. In the aftermath of Harvey, remember how there's people all over the nation. I ran into some people around the world who said, man, after Harvey, Houston really came together as a city. And man, that's compassion that came out. Well, maybe that was a glimpse of what God wants to do here it's his people, if his people pour out their hearts. And we're seeing more and more of this. We're seeing, seeing more unity in the city of Houston among churches than since I've been in town. And, um, and besides praying together and bringing one church, uh, we're going to do some collaborative ministry. Let me give you an example. Five years ago, there were a handful of churches that banded together and were anchor churches in a new church planning network called Houston Church Planning Network. And um, we, we, what we do together is we train church planners who are raised up after a year of training, and we're putting our, pooling our funds and pooling our resources, and I teach some, and, and the pastor of Champion Forest, David Fleming, he teaches some, and, and Faith Bridge, he, preaches, he teaches some, and together we train church planners, and they go out and start churches of all kinds throughout the city, and, and we feel this, this sense we're on mission together. And really, I wish I'd have told you more about the last few years because it's just so exciting to see what God does together. There are individual churches around the nation who are doing that sort of thing, but, but hardly anything like this of this magnitude where all the churches together are doing it. Jeremiah Morris is preached here. He's a product of that. David Hill uh, from the Third Ward, he's preached here. He's a product of that and a bunch of others that you haven't met. So, church, um, when we talk about Houston being a city of God, uh, a real revival taking place. At the end of our days, this will be the most exciting thing any of us were a part of, to see a great work of God so that every man, woman, and child in every neighborhood of, of Houston 
has the opportunity to hear the gospel, and then it ripples out after that across the nation, across the world, that more and more Houston becomes a, a gateway to the nations, more and more. Now, in a nutshell, church, our vision is not about, is not revolve around Wood's Edge, but around the city and beyond. So that's it. We embrace that together. We pray for that together. Houston, the city of God. Now, I feel like I need to do something here at this point. I need to elaborate and specify and clarify three specific things of this vision. Now, we got 30 ministries, 60 ministries, inside and outside. I could talk about all kinds of things. But there are three things that I think that I need as your pastor to make sure that we're on the same page with, that we all understand what God has put on our heart. Those three things are this, home church, or what we've been calling home church groups, home church, church planning, and kingdom movements. Let me elaborate. They all involve our vision. Home church. Since day one, we've had small groups at Wood's Edge, all kinds of small groups. They've been great. We thank God for them. We got them now. But more and more, we want these home churches to be based in neighborhoods and folks from the same neighborhood band together to do life together. They live intentionally together, and they not only care for each other, disciple each other, uh, do life together, but they're on mission together to serve and to reach out to their neighbors who don't yet know Christ in a most natural way possible and even invite them into the home church. Now, that's already beginning to happen around here, but, but what if that happened more and more? And just think about it. In, in one neighborhood... You know, the leaders of that home church, they were like the pastors. I mean, there's no reason that you don't, you don't have to be seminary trained to shepherd people. And, and they can pastor each other. They pastor each other. They, they care for each other. But they're not focused on each other. They're focused on reaching their neighborhood outside. Now, we, we've begun doing this. There are more and more churches across Houston that are doing this, especially the young church plants. And this is what we're going to see. We're going to see every neighborhood have these kind of groups from all kind of churches, and together uh, people are going to be reached for the gospel, and every person is going to hear the gospel. So we're pressing in there because it just has great potential for the gospel, just like in Acts 2. Celebrate together, doing church ministry, house to house. We bring church home. Joe Lanzalot and his team are giving leadership to that. Now the second thing is church planting. So not only home churches, kind of within Wood's Edge, although as these home churches kind of spread out, you know, farther and farther in neighborhoods and go farther, I hope there are some home churches that start out there who've never heard of Wood's Edge. And they're fine. They don't even know about Wood's Edge. They just kind of start their own church. And that's great. But in addition, we want to plant churches just like Wood's Edge, just like we have done. Now, so far, we have planted over the years. We've, we've planted uh, what was Riverstone. Now it's Transformation Church down in Montgomery. Um, we started, I should get my list so I don't forget some. We started, uh, oh yeah, Waters Edge Church down in the West U area, La Iglesia in Guadalajara. I've been down there and seen this exciting church uh, going. Uh, we started Restoration Church, Greg Johnson right down the front row here. He leads that church in the uh, Wood Forest area. If you live out there, I invite you to be part of that. Um, we started Declaration Church a year later. That's over in the Bender's Landing area. By the way, you should be aware, there are a handful of churches in Houston, Greater Houston, that are particularly thriving. Young church plants, two of them are restoration and declaration that Greg and John Cheryl lead. So that's just a huge yay, God, that we're a part of. And I need to tell you more about that kind of thing so you're aware of how God is using you. But the kingdom of God advances 
through churches. That's just God's way. In the Old Testament, it was through the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it is through the church, flaws and all. And, and God uses church plants to advance the kingdom, just like we were a church plant once, and just like we had them all over the city. But now here's the thing. Houston is rapidly growing. The population is projected to be 14 million people in greater Houston, over twice what it is now by 2050. We are not keeping up with the rate of church plants that we need by a long shot because so many older churches are dying out and, and so many new people are moving in. We are not nearly keeping up with the new church plants we need. So in addition to Wood's Edge, partnering with all the churches in the city to train church planters with Houston Church Planting Network, we also are going to start our own residency program for starting church planting and we need, God, God has put in our heart, we need 100 new church plants through Wood's Edge alone in the next 10 or 15 years. Now, you're going to be a part of that. If you faithfully give and pray here, at the end of your life, you're going to look back and you're going to see there are churches all over greater Houston, from Pearland to Freeport to, to New Waverly, all over the city. And, and these churches will be reaching broken, lost people. And you will have had a part in every single one of them because you prayed and because you gave. You're going to have a part of every single one. Now, this gets even more exciting because the, the, probably the leading church in, in the state of Texas doing church planning in Texas is a church in Austin. It's called Hill Country Bible Church. I've long admired them. Well, through some relationships we have, the guy who was there to lead that church planning network, John Harrington, uh, has been helping us the last several months, and Lord willing, in the next couple of months, he's going to come on our staff team and help us do in Houston what God did in Austin. In fact, he's sitting on the second row right over there. So, John, we welcome you on board. So we're praying into that. Uh, ben Rush, Ben and Ashley Rush, who is our worship pastor, he's going to enter our residency this coming January in two months to begin training over the next year to plant a church. He's going to plant a church through Wood's Edge. Greg has already done it. And we got a worship pastor connection here. So uh, a lot of church plants are coming, and that's what God uses to spread the gospel. Now, thirdly, kingdom movements. Let me explain this because this one gets a little bit more. It's not as, as clear. But when I say kingdom movements, I mean the kind of movements we see in the book of Acts where the gospel just spreads like wildfire across the region. Do you remember in Acts 19 how the gospel spread throughout all of Asia Minor, that's western Turkey today, and so that every person in the region heard the gospel? That is a movement. And in the book of Acts, we see these kingdom movements that spread through the Roman Empire. Church, we are seeing this in the world today. We, we hadn't seen this much down over the last 20 centuries. We saw it from time to time. But we are seeing this all over the globe today. These kingdom movements, these church planning movements, these disciple-making movements. And God has given us as a church the privilege to being a, an influential part of that. And this is what God has done. He, he's brought um, Steve and Laura Smith here. Steve and Laura Smith did a church plant like this in western China. And then the years since, that's all, I think 500,000 people come to Christ in villages across a mountainous region. And then Steve began training church planting and probably has become the leading church planting, church planting movement trainer in the world. And God brought Steve and Laura here a year and a half ago. By the way, um, Steve has really been struggling with cancer. 
and really needs our prayers that God would heal him miraculously because he needs a miracle. I just talked to him this morning. He's down the fifth row down here. You can wave, Steve. Uh, fifth row down here. Uh, he's been feeling better the last few days than in months, haven't you? Some of us have really been praying hard for Steve. And by the way, uh, we got 20 others at Wood's Edge with cancer also. Pray for all of them. I pray daily for folks with cancer. Pray that God would heal them miraculously. Maybe that's part of that revival. Okay, God brought Steve and Laura here to be part of that. Um, Sergey Kirpinov, I don't know if Sergey's in the house. He's from um, Uzbekistan. He got kicked out of Uzbekistan for the gospel. One of our elders. Uh, Sergey and his brother-in-law, Ivan, are, are two of the main leaders in church planting movements among Russian-speaking people across Eurasia. And, and so Wudzez gets to be a part of that. Uh, Tim Martin, one of our missions pastors, and Charles Sukaluza, Malawi, have been part of a, starting a, a movement in Malawi that's reached tons of people throughout the village of Malawi. We get to be a part of it. Now, church, today on the planet, there are 600 or so of these movements going on where people are getting reached and it's spreading like wildfire. A hundred of them, over a hundred, involve Muslims. Digest that. For 1,800 years, no movements among Muslims. And then the last century, about 13 movements. In the last 25 years, last 20 years, there's over a hundred movements. Muslims are coming to faith like never before in history. And God is using this New Testament phenomenon. Church, here's the point. You get to be at the heart of what God is doing around the world. God's kind of given Wood's Hedge kind of a seat at the table. Thank you for your part. I need to tell you more about those kind of things. Now, so church, here's three things uh, that are part of this vision. We need home churches that are reaching neighborhood to neighborhood. We need church plants that are reaching areas of the city all over. And then we need to be part of movements all over the world. And church, that's what we're talking about when our vision and I'm just telling you, there is no career success, financial success, accumulation of things, or nice, comfortable retirement that's going to have the impact in your hearts like being a part of a great God-given vision like this. You got the privilege, I got the privilege to be part of something that changes eternity and changes the world. This is the, this is the only thing in, in, in the globe that really is, is going to satisfy a human heart to be part of a great calling of God. And we're not doing it on our own. We're doing it together. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. Church, how could I appeal to you to not sit, on the st sit in the stands for this one? I mean, you don't want to miss out on the fun, on the adventure. You can. It's possible in a large church to kind of sit in the stands, but don't do that. Come down on the field. It's in football. It's in the Texas game. 22 people doing all the work and 80,000 watching. This is everybody on the field. Everybody on the field. So at the end of your life, you, you would have been, man, what would that have been like? Oh, it'll be the best thing. It'll be the best thing that you were a part of. And, and this is what we got to do. All of us, we're, we're pursuing Jesus with all of our hearts. That's the first thing. And then we journey together, home groups all over, home churches all over. And we pray that God would pour out his spirit for a great work of God. What if there were 3,000 or so of us that every day, every time we grabbed the car door to our car to open it up to get in, that, um, that we breathed the prayer, oh God, do a great work through us. Bless our mission. Our vision. Heartfelt, brief prayer. But what if we did that 10 times a day, 3,000 of us, 4,000 of us, um, 
40,000 prayers, heartfelt prayers, you know, what might God do? We can do that. What if all of us, not just some of us, were bringing the first 10% of our income, and we thought that was the best money we were spending that month, that investment for the kingdom? What if all of us had places, meaningful places of serving God, either holding babies there or helping in our threads and ministry or something overseas. We were serving God. We found it so meaningful and, and, and that we, we had such a vision for our children and students who are going to be the leaders of the future that there was a wait list to get into serving if you want to serve in the children at Wood's Edge because so many people wanted to be a part of training the next generation. Most of all, church, what if all of us were chasing after Jesus with all of our hearts and enjoying a love relationship with him, and everything else flowed out of that. Church, I want to invite you to, to this adventure. Some of you haven't been completely clear about it, and never have I explained it, I think, all of that like that, but uh, we need to all know about this. And this is where I'm going. And I invite you to go with me. And if God's called you to this church, and he's called me to be your pastor, this is your marching orders. This is where we're going. Lock arms and go for it with all you got. Okay? Amen. Stand with me.